Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Runnan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And see, kids, if you read your books, then you too can terrorize adults with the power of telekinesis. We're looking at Matilda. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Joe, how you doing today? Oh, I'm okay, Jeff. I have a lovely little cold, uh, <laughs> as the listener can hear. And I just want to call attention to it at the beginning so we can uh-huh. all accept it. And by all, I mean me and move on with our lives in this husky, congested placement. Actually, perfect for doing a children's movie because I sound. Like a strange little child. A little, maybe a little like Amanda, the little pigtailed girl. Like, yes, Mrs. Trotsable. She had like... My mother says they look sweet. They look sweet. Yeah, I obsessed with this teeny tiny little girl like the cutest little just like yeah. oh gosh la, voice and then immediately of course getting hucked by the pigtails H- hammer hurled uh, uh, into a field is uh in <laughs> one of the enduring images of this movie for me always has been her like the terror of her almost not clearing the fence and then her being like <laughs> wow wildflowers <laughs> just like like she's on a slip and slide oh miss hottie i pick these flowers for you for you oh i love it i love it and we are of course doing matilda because the new movie adaptation of the matilda musical is about to drop on netflix in just a few scant days Ah, uh, which looks fun, I must say. I never saw that musical on the Broadway. It's fun. I mean, I've auditioned for Trunchbull regionally. For the listeners who don't know, Trunchbull is written in the musical to be played by a man because they wanted someone very tall and imposing, to which I say, excuse me, what about moi? <laughs> what, what about tall and imposing Amy uh, Jo Jackson? I think I fit the brief, babe. <laughs> um, so... There are some productions where they're willing to swap keys around and and make it work on a femme voice, um, which is great because I was like, this is one of our great villains and it's been stolen and given to a male character actor. Yeah. Which he was great, but come on. So anyway, yes, I I thought I enjoyed it. I loved him mention. And uh, there's a, I mean, there's some stuff I was like, eh, I don't care. And then there's, um, there's this song called When I Grow Up where they're Mm. all on like, I'm getting emotional even just thinking about it where they're all on these swings and it's just this like that thing that Tim Minchin does really well, which is you're like, ha ha. Oh, this is funny. Oh, wow. You just went right for my innermost feelings in a really beautiful way. So like that's a memory of like that show is like, oh, okay. well, they they that was like a an absolutely beautiful moment in that that was that was worth some of the stuff that I was like. I don't know. I would have found a woman for this part, but that's just me. Sure. Know? Well, they uh, they did for this movie. Yes, they you've did. Got, um, Emma Thompson as our trench ball, which I'm. Which I love. She looks great. And she looks like she's having a time and a half. I'm so thrilled for this new stage in Emma Thompson's career, where she's like, maybe I'll just play a bunch of villains and unpleasant people because she mm-hmm. does it so well, and she's so funny. And yeah, I mean, unlike. As we've talked about, I mean, we'll talk about more when we talk about Trunchbull, but like, unlike with like Susan Sarandon in Enchanted, who is fine, you know, she's not doing a bad job, but she's not doing the, she's not really doing the thing. She doesn't have enough bite to play this kind of villain or, you know, or in the grand tradition in which she was, tr- I think, attempting to play it. Whereas Emma Thompson is like, oh, I understood the assignment. Thank you so much. Pam Ferris well, really understood the assignment. Pam Ferris is tr- truly, so I watched this yesterday and then I was decorating our tree. Listener Jeff is still away, so I was, I was doing it, um, watching m- Christmas episodes of Murder Mysteries. So I was like, well, I'm going to start with the marble that involves uh, Pam Ferris and um, the 450 from Paddington. I was like, I need to see Pam Ferris. And then I was like, hmm. Is there a Christmas episode of Rosemary in Time? And there's like an almost Christmas episode of Rosemary in Time, which she's also in. I was just like, I need more Pam Ferris and I need to mainline it into my system now because <laughs> she is so unbelievably good in this motion picture. 
Yes, we go from Christmas episodes of Marple, Christmas episodes of Rosemary Time, and you're like, oh, I need more Pam Ferris. Ah, shoot. I guess I'm just going straight to Children of Men. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I, I watched Miss Fisher's Murder Mystery Christmas in July episode, which has Miriam Margulies, if we need a noted character actress in our midst, which I feel we always do. We always do. We always do. As for the 90s film adaptation of Matilda... Matilda came out on August 2nd, 1996, and was directed by Danny DeVito and written by Nicholas Kazan and Robin Swikerd. Amy Jo, what is your experience with this Matilda? Had you seen it before? Yeah, like a lot. I'm almost positive I saw this in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I read this book a ton as a kid, so then obviously I watched this movie, and I don't think I knew Pam Ferris from anything else but from this as a kid, but like she was so indelible. I loved her from... The word go. And yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it a number of times over the years. This isn't one that I like rewatch a ton, but I've definitely seen a handful of times. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is very much a kids movie sure. in the sense and a nineties kids movie, right? Unlike something like what Princess Bride and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, those are films that I could still see myself like. Oh, I'll throw this on and watch again. Whereas Matilda, though, I had a ball. I had an absolute ball rewatching yeah. this the other night. Um, just feel is a movie for kids just in a way that like though i really enjoyed it a lot last night i understand why i've not rewatched this for in sure decades. i mean and if you think about danny devito and Rhea perlman like the age their kids were at the time was like you know kids so it's also like uh, it's interesting to think about like them making a movie in in many ways like for for their kids and the age that their kids were as opposed to like not having that direct lens into like what are my kids actively watching and reading right now and let's kind of like tailor it to that yeah i love whenever i see that like you know whatever some actor takes some role in a fantasy film because their grandson is like no but i love that property grandpa and you're like all right i guess i'll play professor x for 17 years Uh, yeah, and, um, I don't think I saw this in theaters. I think this was a big rental. I feel like- This has big rental energy for sure. Big rental energy. Big TV energy. I feel like this was on TV a lot. And it was always like, oh, Matilda's on. Well, I know what I'm doing for the next 90 odd minutes. So, spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen Matilda, or you haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief-ish synopsis. Uh, we meet- this little little baby genius, little baby genius, Matilda Wormwood, this little baby. I love this first shot of this little baby where it does look like she's already doing her telekinesis powers. Like she's got this, this little baby has this real like scrunched up, concentrated, mm-hmm. goggle-eyed look. But we see uh, she's neglected and mistreated by her car dealer father, Harry Wormwood, her mother, Zinnia an older brother, Michael, and she's like a little genius. She's like right from the jump. She's like spelling beyond her age. She can do all these mathematical problems. She can't even talk, but she's spelling her name in her like puree, her baby food. Right. And her family is just completely unaware. They're just, they're just seeing a mess. They're not paying. They're not like seeing how smart this little kid is. Uh, She's four and has just taken herself to the library and just like blowing through the kids books, moving on to the adult books. Uh, it's all so charming, and I love that she wants to go to school, but she can't because, as Danny DeVito says, who would sign for the packages, which is such a great – It's that's it. That's the only reason. It's like, well, who's going to – when she like is gone, it's like, look at all these packages. Like, what? where were you? Anyone could have seen these. Um, uh, it's also so funny considering they think she's four, and even if she isn't, she's six. F- five like, then. Five. <laughs> like negotiating this, this, like, with her baby child is is like ah yes thank you mr fedex let me just put my official signature on your piece of paper although it is smart little foreshadowing because it is so funny just as a throwaway line but you are then realize that he is getting all of these car parts shipped to his house oh yeah uh, as part of a scam i also love that they're all wrapped in the most absurd shapes possible so you're like how is anyone not gonna know that's like a tailpipe or something exactly Eventually, she we get our first instance of Matilda's like little powers that she blows up this TV because DeVito is like tearing up this book that she's reading and is like, no, you're you know, you're, you're going to be part of this family. You're going to watch TV. And she just concentrates on this TV and explodes. And we're watching Carrie Jr. all of a sudden. Mm, 
Yes. Uh, with a little cameo from John Lovitz as uh, Sticky Mickey on this disgusting TV show. You know, when we were watching Time Bandits, that whole sequence with the parents watching the game show oh, really yeah. reminded me of of this sequence, which I now, of course, I'm like, well, that predated uh, this by like, you know, a decade and a half. But it's very that with like the recognizable actor, although I guess Jim Broadbent wasn't recognizable at the time, but he would like go on to like be in other parts of the movie like right. uh, just what thinking was the book about of matilda written the book well the book was written mid-century but like well i just didn't know if like the if the tv is part of the book in that in which case time bandits could be riffing off that for sure slightly. i think i'm more talking about just like the way that the game shows are filmed and like a grainy sort of like style and there's like a particular actor like we're supposed to recognize john lovitz in the in the game show kind of thing. And Jim Broadbent, that character right. will come back and be like an important like character toward the end. So it more just r- reminded me of that stylistically, like in a visual sense. Sure. Uh, Harry sells a car to Agatha Trunchbull, the tyrannical principal of Crunchum Hall Elementary School. Crunchum. I love I love these names. I love when you're making like a children's fantasy movie and you're like, no, we're, everything is going to be like so heightened. Yeah. Um, just from the name. I mean, Wormwood and Trunchbull well, and Crunchum. Are, funny. Are such delicious names. Yeah. I mean, they're also they do make more sense if you think consider that they're english and and don't have it like half american with like or all american with just trunchbull being english because crunchum while being absolutely onomatopoetic also just sounds a little less like crunchum if you're like it's crunchum hall you know like it right. ha- there's there's a lot you're like okay i kind of get away with it. i almost buy it if i just say it in an english accent <laughs> Uh, so Matilda finally gets to go to school because Harry's like, oh, I love it. This tank of a woman is going to finally help this monster of a sweet little smart girl, uh, just get her in line finally. Uh, and we get, yes, the scene with Amanda with her little pigtails is the first, the first thing we see Trunchbull do is whip this girl over a fence, uh, is fresh meat. She is amazing like there's a shot later in the film where matilda's like hiding beneath her window and pam ferris fogs up the window with her the breath coming from her nose like a velociraptor in jurassic park yeah the animal work that she's doing is it like everything she's doing when you're when you're watching it as a kid is so fun but when you're watching it as an adult who also acts for a living it's like man she did not even did she not like miss a beat it's like on every level the stuff that she's doing is like it could be so like one note and it is not it is she it's so animal it's also i i also when i went in for trunchbull did spend a while watching olympic hammer throw um right right and then after we watched i was like oh i need to watch more of that so i went back and watched the the current um Olympic gold medalist who's won gold like the last three times. This Polish woman named uh, Anita uh, Vlodacek, I believe. Um, oh man, you should look her up because it's pretty amazing. But like watching all of these amazing hammer throwers and being like, okay, so Pam Ferris also has clearly like watched a lot of this kind of stuff and seen like how they're moving through. But just like the level of detail that she puts into this like what could be like a silly little villain role is is what makes that whole silent like hunting sequence in the house so like actually scary oh absolutely it's so good um but yes so the first impression is bad of this school because we're seeing miss trunchbull uh we then get to meet miss honey and we're fine we finally meet an adult who is not the worst human you've ever seen in your life (laughs) just the sweetest miss honey um who is finally is like uh hey i'm pretty sure this kid is a genius she's multiplying like crazy large numbers in her head uh she's reading books at like a ninth like a high school she what, what, she, what does Miss Honey say she she's said like, my that i hadn't seen until my second year of college right right college right yeah everyone is just like oh brainiac over here was oh, how much money is this gonna cost me the Wormwoods don't care. Trunchbull certainly doesn't care. Uh, then we we get this Bruce Bogtrotter. Once again, just fabulous names T to B in this film. Oh, yeah. Uh, this student who 
like stole the Trunchbull's cake, her like private snack. So now he has to eat an entire cake as punishment. This is pretty awful to think about, like to contemplate the reality of that. But like, I wouldn't mind like a taste. Like it looks well, like duh, it, of it course. Well, that's good. how they get you. You're like, oh, sure, hop a taste. And now it's like, well, now you're going to eat this whole thing. Yeah, I was wondering, is that like a peanut butter icing filling? Is that a caramel? What do you think? It's like that dense chocolate and then there was some kind of like lighter thing for the layers and i was like mm. oh that still looked like chocolate to me it looked oh. like it was all just pure chocolate so it's also just, just a different cho- i bet it was heavy. just yeah oh yeah no i mean i don't need i don't need a whole cake of that no thanks this cook that wheels it out amazing this, this woman i wrote down she only has two lines but she because trunchbull's like cookie made it with her own blood and sweat as this woman is like wiping her nose with her hand and all the kids are going ew, ew. and trunchbull says and you can't leave until you consume the entire confection and cookie parrots back the entire confection and then just looks out at all the kids and goes see at lunch and wanders off and it's so good like that actor is like you had two lines and you killed them she made a meal of them oh she was eating the scenery (laughs) apparently the scene took so long to film that the call sheet for the start and end times just had an infinity symbol written no no (laughs) no that's terrifying. Oh, but it's all, it's so good. But this kid is like going to throw up and Matilda's like, you can do it, Bruce. You can do it. And all the kids are rallying behind Bruce. Man, the 90s-ness, yeah, of the like seventh grade girl who, or the, the second grade girl who's like telling them all what's what, like the slightly older girl, her like haircut, the way they have all these styled, I was like, boy, is it the 90s. Oh, and yes. now we have a 90s assembly scene. That's right, Bruce. Hortensia. Hortensia is the really tall girl. Hortensia, thank you. She just towers over everyone else. Like, I I love it. It's like stuff like this. I mean, it's stuff. I mean, having Trunchbull, just throw a kid by the pigtails over a fence of like, you are the kind of thing that you, I can see certain parents just being like, well, that's not appropriate. Well, that's violent. And it's just like, shut up. (laughs) Because as kids, this is hilarious. And this kid finishes his cake and it's so triumphant. And then Trunchbull smashes the the cake plate down on this kid's head and it shatters into a million pieces and my jaw like dropped i'd I'd completely forgotten that that. and i'm like that is incredible all of that anytime every time the trunch when trunchbull throws a kid out the window at the end it's amazing this is so preposterous and i love this stuff as a kid i loved this stuff yeah i mean it's that like heightened reality that makes children's films like and children's stories you know like you well, Roald Dahl, especially. That's what I was about to say. I was like, I know we know more now about Roald Dahl than we ever wish we did with regards to um, him being a uh, terrible person. Um, but man, could he really uh, write character and to pick a track and field champion <laughs> as your like, because d- then they're going to be big and intimidating physically because it's just like how a lot of those people are built in order to be good at the sport. And then t- to have that be like, oh, yes, because then I'm good at javelin throwing so I can throw this child. That's that's the one to one that like he comes up with. I'm like, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Uh, we get these FBI agents who are have the house under surveillance speedboat salesman jeff i think that's clearly established by zinnia world i love right at the end when the the family is like on the the, the escape to guam and data is like come on we got to beat the speedboat salesman to the airport still to refusing airport. to acknowledge that they are their cops dad their cops dad uh yeah so funny i love that yeah, zinnia has them inside the house for like tea and it's just like they're so funny they're cops like this little girl is just like the only one that knows what's what uh we get lavender with this little newt that winds up in trunchbull's water glass and matilda winds up taking the fall um she's unable to reproduce her powers to miss honey uh, we learned that Miss Honey is actually Trunchbull's niece who was raised by Trunchbull after her father mysteriously died. And uh, we get this scene where they have to break back into Trunchbull's house because they want like Miss Honey talks about the doll that she used to have as a kid. And Matilda's like, no, we're going to get it. You're things now while Trunchbull's gone. And we, of course, get this great scene of Trunchbull like stalking through the house 
trying to find them. Yeah, she them. comes back a lot earlier than they expect. She senses there's someone in the house. And then, yeah, it's a, it's a really great... I had forgotten how long this sequence is. Like, long and involved. And because they're trying not to make any noise to alert Trunchbull, like, there's barely any dialogue in it. It's really quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and this whole, like, back, like, last half hour of the film is pretty much a series of... Uh, attempts to uh, gaslight Trunchbull and make her think she's being haunted by the ghost of Miss Honey's father, Magnus. Yes. Um, it's very Home Alone um, where, you know, the, the scene where Matilda's like practicing her power so she can get better at it and go like mess with Trunchbull. And she's like moving all her parents like bingo and poker chips and all that kind of stuff around there. It's very like Kevin in Home Alone with all the rocking around the Christmas tree uh, section. So it's like this, the childhood spirit of that mixed with like ghosts and lies. <laughs> what every kid loves, ghosts and lies. Uh, that's how we end. Mm. We end at school with once again, Matilda's like, making Trunchbull think that Magnus's spirit is back. The chalk is writing on the chalkboard by itself. Uh, and finally, we break Trunchbull's spirit and all the kids just have a food fight and throw all their food at Trunchbull. We get a real like Gosh, shame, ding-a-ling-a-ling, shame, ding-a-ling-a-ling. Just the, the, when she's like stumbling out of the tiny kid classroom, she's like, I'm being pelted by food, the worst. And then she turns and thinks she's escaped and she looks down the hall and sees just the hallway is absolutely full of kids who are all staring at her like, that's right. I'm ready. <laughs> it's Ba-bow! so good. Yeah. Also, Pam Ferris was reminding me, it seemed like a lot of like grizzly bear animal work of like, just like the, all that the end is like she, where she's lumbering. It just feels like this yeah. is like a trank. It looked like she watched videos of bears that had like a tranquilizer and are trying to like do one last swipe. I would be so interested to hear what all she was using. Cause there's absolutely, it's like part bear part like rhino in a way there's just like i don't know she's she's just great it's so and i think it's because there's like so much going on with her yet that all still seems like very in the pocket like it keeps you like it keeps it multi-layered and then yeah (laughs) really wild and yeah our film ends with the the matilda's family having to make a run for it to guam and matilda convinces her parents to let miss honey adopt her and she's had the adoption papers on her since she could xerox which is great the way she goes i've had them since i was old enough to xerox (laughs) just what a burn uh and yeah as as we close out with narration from devito again that as bad as things were before that's how good they were now as we see matilda and miss honey back in Miss Honey's old house now that tr- they got Trunchbull out of there. They got rid of the javelin holes mm-hmm. in the wall, I'll guess. Yeah, you they're know. doing cartwheels, they're roller skating around the living room, and they're having, of course, a ton of story time and reading. And uh, that's our movie. That's Matilda. So the casting directors of Matilda were Rene Rousselot and David Rubin. Rousselot has also cast The Mighty Ducks, The Santa Claus, and Spy Kids. Rubin, a two-time Emmy winner for casting Game Change and Big Little Lies, has also cast Four Weddings and a Funeral, Gravity, Where the Crawdads Sing, and previous episodes, Romeo plus Juliet, My Cousin Vinny, Men in Black, and Adam's Family Values. So they've got a real array between them. We have like one solid, I, I mainly do like kids movies person and then a, a person with a lot, lot slippery. Maybe credits. they're like specialty is casting kids, like not just kids films, but like specifically. That's, no, no, no. That's that is what I think that implies is that it's like I mainly specialize in like, yeah, children children's yeah. casting well let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast some of these people may have auditioned some may have just been discussed by casting this is all subjective and as always i've looked up all the actors in advance and amy joe is hearing it along with you listener for the very first time Ooh. so let's kick it off with our titular matilda amy joe your thoughts on mara wilson and uh, who would you cast if you had to cast someone else I think she's lovely. She's, you know, she I I feel like she was very much like a staple of my childhood adolescence cuz like between this movie and Mrs. Doubtfire, like she was very around. Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see this 
new version because I do wonder if we'll get be, because of the the way the Minchin musical works is much tonally closer to the book. Mm. So I wonder if I just wonder what that's going to yield us with regards to like what kind of kid you pick to lead something that's tonally a little darker, quirkier than like nineties yeah. kind of sunnier, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So. I think she's really charming and great for this version. Um, I don't know that she would fit a version that's closer to the book. Maybe. Uh, I don't, you know, I didn't really strain my brain for like child actors on this one. But as far as um, if this were a little bit of a darker take on it, like young Thora Birch perhaps yeah. is giving me that. Yeah. You know, she was sure. very around as a child actor. Um, Hocus Pocus. Yeah, and you know, yeah. a number of like other three things. years removed from that. It was around the time of Alaska. I remember liking that. I think that's her and uh, Vincent Carthizer. They gotta like rescue Carthizer. their dad who his plane crashed on a mountain. Was he a child actor? Vincent Carthizer, of course. Well, well, I'm really, I really didn't know who he was until Mad Men. He was at least like a real, like a preteen actor because he was sure. in my favorite movie at the time, 1997's Masterminds, with, oh, which is course. Home Alone meets Die Hard, where he's a skateboarding little shit, shit kid, little shit boy who has to take down uh, Patrick Wilson or Patrick Wilson, Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Wilson. Man, how many times do those guys <laughs> get confused for each other? <laughs> oh, every time when I see Patrick Wilson, I'm like, Professor Rex. Oh, I'm so sorry you're <laughs> not so Patrick sorry. Stewart. That's Every so time I see Patrick Stewart, I'm identical. always yelling, Raul. Raul. Phantom of the Opera's Raul. Oh, man. Um, uh, my other thought was Kiernan Shipka, I think, in the early days of Mad Men, was giving like a precocious, uh, slightly, I don't know if haunted is the right word, but like complicated <laughs> child, you know, in a way that I think would be right. useful for Matilda. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah, I think I think Mary Wilson's great in this. I think it rides the line really nicely of like unnaturalistic kids' performance. Absolutely. It's not like so quote unquote cute or like no. mannered. Um, I think it's it is everything that I that I need. And then like the times when it's like really, you know, Miss Honey's like, "Do you like to read?" And she's like, "Oh yes." Like that's everything. It's like just so sweet. I was like, "Oh yeah, no wonder I loved." this movie as a kid because it's lead it just wants to read she really? just wants everyone to leave her alone so she can read in peace now i had seen the movie a few times but i've read this dang book so many times along with so many other books truly it's all i wanted in life so watching this i again i was like oh right i loved <laughs> books yeah I, ne I never read the book of this i'd read a few doll books i read charlie and the or uh, yeah, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and its sequel, The Great Glass Elevator. I read um, The Twits and Danny Champion of the World. I think James and the Giant Peach, too. For whatever reason, this just wasn't one of the ones that I... I think because I like loved the movie already, I was like, well, why would I read the book? I have the movie. Oh, you poor, poor child. But, <laughs> but I didn't have no movie of Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator or Willy Wonka. Whoever his Great Glass Elevator was, I forget if it was still Charlie. Somebody's Great Glass Elevator. Somebody's Great Glass Elevator. Um, yeah, and I'm like, if this was made, you know, you know, this Stranger Things season one era, Millie Bobby Brown yeah. or like a early, like mid aughts. Chloe Grace Moritz, a little pre-kick-ass. Um, I'm mainly thinking of Chloe Grace Moritz because she played Carrie in the Carrie remake. So I was like, well, oh. what is Matilda if not baby Carrie? <laughs> um, so I could see either of them. But Mary Wilson's great. She'd been a fan of the book ever since the age of four when she had overheard her mother reading it to other children. And after the success of Miracle on 34th Street, Matilda was among many scripts that she was offered and she chose it immediately. So there you wow. go. Wow. Imagine being a literal child and being like, what would you like to do, young business person? <laughs> I know. Um, but she wasn't the only actor considered. Director Danny DeVito originally wanted Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen for the title role, as his children were big fans of them from Full House, and his wife, Rhea Perlman, had worked with them on To Grandmother's House We Go. Oh, man, oh, man, which I definitely saw. So, <laughs> wow, that is 
That's wild. Also, just because thinking, yeah, like, as, as far as like his daughter, their daughter, Lucy, is like a little younger than me. I want to say she's like in between you and I age wise, I think. That sounds um, right. So like, that makes total sense. Because also, wild that I still have this in my brain. The Olsen twins were born in 85, um, which would be about, you know, Lucy's age, I think. Um, so thinking about yeah i mean i don't i i feel like they come with too much baggage um but at the same time if you're trying to sell a movie baggage is what you want it's true although it feels like at this point now they are a package deal and that you're casting them both they're no right. longer it's like yes there's still full houses still going on so they are like switching off this one role but other than that yeah to grandma's house we go and they couldn't do matilda because they were too busy working on it takes two so yes. it's like now it's like they're both of them are now in, in you're casting of, you know. you're doing a twins movie exactly so unless matilda is two twin girls matilda's matilda's it's the matilda's which how can you tell them apart why did you name both of your daughters matilda's Hey, I've told you i'm sure i've said it on the pod before but i grew up around a lot of twins bizarrely and one set of twins in the year below me were named Tanya and Tanya. No. Yes, nope. I'm afraid it's true. T-A-N-Y-A, T-A-N-I-A. Oh, Tanya and Tanya. Well, they well. got different haircuts like pretty early on as far as like they didn't want to stretch that identical twin thing too far because I think uh, that name sure. thing sucked. The, the name thing is really working against you already. Michelle Trachtenberg auditioned for Matilda, but had to pull out of auditions when she was cast as Harriet the Spy. And I think that was a better fit for her. A little more, um, just the Harriet the Spy is a little bit um, more like, yeah. hey, let me ask you a question. Like a little more front footed, which I think works really well for her. Yeah, she's just got more of a more sharper edges to her, which Michelle Trachtenberg, yes. I think, slotted into that very nicely. Um, within her within her career, uh, but let's move on to Zinnia Wormwood. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Rhea Perlman, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Okay, I mean, you can tell that the director and the director's wife were playing <laughs> these parts because all, I mean, the attention to detail on all of their costumes and props, the. The way her outfit matches the glittery eyeshadow, I mean, obviously, but like it's a different outfit every, it's just the design for all of it. The little, the fact that she has a straw in her Bud Light can so she doesn't get lipstick on it, but that like the straw already has a lipstick ring around it, like that because she's clearly been drinking it. The stupid, <laughs> what are those mushroom kebabs that they're, not mushroom, marshmallow kebabs. Wow, very different. They have those marshmallow kebabs that they're eating when they're like, they're not cops. They're, you know, <laughs> it's just so everything about the way that the two of them have like been designed and then played, I think is so silly and delightful and very cohesive. And I love the fact that this married couple is playing this horrible married couple. I think that's very, very fun. Totally. And I think she's great. So I really, everything I have is like pairings between the two of them. Love that. So this obviously would have been um, later than than uh, this, but not present day because this is a couple that's no longer together, but I think a totally a different version of of trash people would be very funny. Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, I would like it to be actually funny and not horrible. Oh, oh funny. funny! I see. I Comedy. See. Um, Amy Poehler and Will Arnett. Mm-hmm. When oh, there's yeah. also the version yeah. with another one of her exes where it's Amy Poehler and Nick Kroll. Um, but I do think uh, Will Arnett as like a used car salesman really works for me, you know, like in the suit. Uh, obviously, he's giving a very yeah. different performance than DeVito, but I still think it is in the pocket of Harry Wormwood. I'm big. You're little. I'm smart. You're dumb. You're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's actually really great. And sure, Amy Fuller as Azidia, I great. We have this ridiculous eye mask with the eye, like these big wide open yep, eyes on great. it. That's great. And this crazy perm sure. Yeah. Um uh, then that. obviously I know, this is this is a very easy one to one. But I'm gonna go for the low hanging fruit, and that's Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci. Yep. Yep. Come on. Yep, yep. yep. And then 
if we're going British, which, you know, we probably should at some point. These, this is a pair of people that I've collaborated together a lot that are both very funny. I'm like, Catherine Tate and David Tennant is very fun Ooh. for me. I wish I yeah. think that's that's given me oodles of character energy. Um, that's great. And I really now once I thought of it, I was like, well, uh, I want to see it. I want to see that now. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and I then obviously, that. as far as another real life couple, that would you know you you ought to have like Catherine Zeta Jones and Michael Douglas. That's uh, that's just oh naturally naturally sure yeah yeah no I I, I think of, they're they're maybe worse than Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. <laughs> Which would be less funny? Um, no, Nicole Kidman, I think Catherine Zeta Jones, and Michael Douglas would be better in these roles. Maybe having Tom a little more Cruise fun. And Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I don't think, I Tom, think so. uh, well, uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are just a relentlessly unfunny people. It seems. Well, Tom Cruise was quite funny in Tropic Thunder. He's occasionally been funny. Nicole Kidman. When I'm thinking of comedies, what comes to mind is Stepford Wives and Bewitched. Neither of which are good movies. I mean, but that's not to necessarily die for her is fault. funny, but it's but she's not True. giving a comedic performance, really. No, but you know what? Thinking of her to die for, honestly, this is only a year later. She could have done Zinnia. It wouldn't be good, but she could have. I could have seen it. She could have. Whereas done Tom it. Cruise, I can't even see. No, and that's why it was a stupid suggestion that I made just to make you laugh. Well, that's and right. I said Michael suggestion. Douglas. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not at all what I want. What I do want is the person who I think multiple times on this podcast, or at least to you, that I mistakenly said who I thought played Zinnia was Ellen Green. Oh, well, it's giving Ellen Green. That's how I've remembered. The same way that I was like, wait, it wasn't, I forget if, well, now I forget. I think it was Bill, no, it was Bill Pullman, who I used to think was in Beetlejuice instead of Alec Baldwin. Because it it should have been. But it's just like thinking about it and of the look, I'm like, that's not Bill Pullman? That's not Bill Pullman? And that's how I was here because I'm, you know, Little Shop of Horrors, of course, the best. Come on. So I was like, I could see Ellen Green. I also, Marissa Tomei, uh, Wendy Malick of um, Just Shoot Me and Hot in Cleveland and other mm-hmm. things. Uh, temperamentally, I think would be really good. And made more recently, I think Regina Hall would be really funny mm-hmm. in this type mm-hmm. of role. Uh, and... It's it's um Andrea Riseborough in the movie musical of Birdman and Oblivion and Possessor among other things, um, but I could also really see an Annalie Ashford version of this made today. Oh wow, yeah, she's very funny. As for the actors who were considered right off the bat, Marge Simpson herself, Julie Kavner was considered. That's, I mean, that's great. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Instead, in 1996, she was in the TV movie adaptation of the play Jake's Women with Alan Alda. Wow. Jake's Women. What a moment in time. (laughs) What a moment indeed. But that sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. Or in this week's case, Two Truths and Some Person, because gender is dead. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Zinnia. One was not. Amy Jo is to guess which is which. Your options are Bette Midler, Catherine O'Hara, and Christine Baranski. All right. I'm a fan of all of these choices. All very different. All giving me actual comedy. Um, which we want. Sorry, Nicole. Um, all right. Bette, Catherine, Christine. And I can see you putting it. You are looking so smug. Hmm. Oh, little angel. Little angel. <laughs> He's got wings. He's singing. Oh, no. <laughs> Looks like an ornament on the tree. Um, okay. Oh, this, is, this is tricky because also all of them are at the level where I can see them all very easily being considered for this. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm going to. Catherine O'Hara. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Bette Midler. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. As far as I could tell, Christine Baranski was not considered for Zinnia. I mean, I get it, but come on. I get it. It's good casting. Yeah, but Bette and Catherine both were. Uh, instead, in 96, Bette Midler had the first Wives Club, and Catherine O'Hara iconic. had Waiting for Guffman, two iconic oh, performances and iconic come roles. Come on. 
perfect. They didn't need to be doing this. They needed to be giving us the gift of guff and the <laughs> gift of don't tell me what to do, don't tell me what to say, etc. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. But I can absolutely see either of them, and I think they would have been great. Yeah. Would have been great. Um, but let's move on to Harry Wormwood. So, Amy Jo, your thoughts on the DeVites, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Well, I've already told you who I'd have to cast if I had to cast someone else, but I think he's very funny. Um, the way they've costumed him is perfect. Um, and yeah, I know. I really enjoy him in this in this picture. Agreed. Such a great use of DeVito. And I love having him as the narrator as well. Even like yeah. it doesn't bother me that he's. Well, because he also does the thing where he's like. He's not doing like his full Harry Wormwood voice. He's not trying to hide that it's the same actor, but he's just doing a kind of more storyteller voice, yeah. which softens it a bit. We're not getting full like, hey, you know. Exactly. Um, yeah. Of other actors I would like, I, I think a J.K. Simmons version of this would be great. Thinking of him in Spider-Man, like that cartoon version of J.K. Uh, I could see like an Oliver Platt maybe. I could oh, see, yeah. you know, having just discussed him in Boogie Nights, I could see a Louise Guzman. I think I would be very fun oh, in this That's really fun. Yeah. Uh, and maybe more recently, I'd, I'd love a Bob Odenkirk. I think it would be really good. Mm -hmm. Just really yes. twist his uh, Saul Goodman into a cartoon landscape. And there we are. As for the actors who were considered right off the bat, Bob Hoskins. Oh, great. How did we not? Every time Bob Hopkins is up, Bob Hoskins is up for something, and I didn't say it. I think, why didn't I say it? Why didn't I think it? <laughs> well, right. If some, if a role went to Devito or Bob Hoskins, you know the other was considered. As was sure. ding 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 to you, Joe Pesci, Joe who Pesci. of course was considered for this, and would be great. Would be great. Uh, less great. Tim Allen was considered. No, uh... not for this. Like I think I haven't seen that Santa Claus in forever. I think that's a good use of him. That's a great use of him, yeah. And of course, Galaxy Quest is a great use of Tim Allen in terms of like broader comedies. But for like a kids movie, I don't, I don't see this character on him. No. But John Goodman was considered, and I do see that. That's very fun. Yes. I like that a lot. Robert De Niro was considered. No. <laughs> I'm yeah. Sorry, no. <laughs> no. Chevy Chase was considered. Oh no. no yeah, it's not. It's not the, the vibe that I want from this. Richard Dreyfus was considered. Okay, I'm liking that. I what about Bob more. era? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that a bit more. And um, Bill Murray was considered. Sure. I, and uh, complete on the, obviously, other end of what about Bob. Like, I, I, get, I get that. Yeah. I, I get it. That's why I like Dreyfus more and why DeVito is so good. Because you want someone that it's funny to see them wound being up being driven crazy yeah to see them being like i well, my hair is getting bleached my hat's glued to my head that they're being made to look the fool and bill murray doesn't tend to be made to look the fool he tends to be this like wise sage fool sometimes like yeah. in caddyshack and what about bob that he's just never the one that he's you know he's skating through life and you know man who yeah. knew too little and man whatnot. who knew too little i was just thinking yeah or yeah. he's like poking other people to prod them into some exactly. agitated state Exactly. Uh, but let's move on to Miss Honey. Amy, show your thoughts on M. Beth Davids and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? She's good. There's a couple of moments where I'm like, you're really laying it on thick, honey. But um, <laughs> but um, overall, I think I think she's she's really good. I don't. Um, that's a hard part, you know. Like you, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm just less interested in uh you know uh this kind of, of role but she's she's lovely i believe this like relationship between her and matilda we all have a teacher or i hope we all have a teacher that was like meaningful to us you know and that was uh, a champion for us so like i think she's giving all of that um quite well but i'm i'm not walking away from this remembering her performance if you know what i mean which i do think is partially the writing and the type of role. So I don't have a lot of thoughts on this. I, I could, I'll be honest, I could have tried harder for this one, and uh, I didn't. Um, so just thinking of Brits, it was like Naomi Harris, I feel like, is going to give me like mm. the kind of warmth, but also a playfulness, which is 
I think useful in this. Um, and you know what? Looking at the other people on my list, I don't like it. So I'm just going to okay. leave it with Naomi Harris and saying we could have gone with a Brit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, and I didn't say Stephen Graham is playing Harry Wormwood in this upcoming movie musical. Uh, for Miss Honey, it's Lashana Lynch of uh, No Time to Die and Captain Marvel, who is quite good. So I'm excited. Oh, and the woman, she was so good in The Woman King with Viola Davis earlier this year. If, for those who have not seen The Woman King. Um, yeah, I think she's really good in this. It's so funny because I just, she's not someone that I can ever remember who she is. Like, just looking up her IMDb. Same. I, was, I had to look her up. I went, who is this? And I looked right. her up. I was like, oh, Schindler's List. Oh, Army of Darkness. Oh, you Fracture. Um, and she's still, you know, she's like five episodes of The Morning Show. She was still working a lot. Um, but I think she's really good. And this was because I haven't seen this in so long. It was fun to watch this through the eyes of an adult and to see like how carefully they've written her dialogue and of how she interacts with the kids and with matilda of like even when matilda's talking about like i have powers yeah that the way that she phrases things of like i believe i think that you should believe in whatever magic you have inside of you that it's she's never patronizing she's always so supportive right even if she's like well clearly you don't really have powers you dumb kid she would never say that (laughs) um so i think she's quite good in this and and when you see like that she is still so frightened of trunchbull and you see like her kind of revert to still being like a kid at heart i always thought that she was quite charming in this um but i could also see marissa tomei here I think would be a lovely. Very, yes, uh, yes. Because Marissa Tomei can what? Give us range, darling. Made 10 years later, this is a prime Amy Adams role. For sure. For sure. I'm actually now also thinking like uh, a more contemporary, like Emma Stone. Like, so, you know, just sure. someone who's like, sure. look, I look gentle, but I, I also, <laughs> you know, can act and give you depth. Yeah. Yeah, I could also see her as a Zinnia, but I think I'd like to put Catherine Hahn here because she can give a little extra bite. I was, I was thinking, yeah. For, um, for whatever reason, I just rewatched around the Halloween times. I rewatched that first Scream and I could see Nev Campbell here, mm. I could say. Um, I, a Tony Collette, of course, I would love. Sure, yes. Kate Winslet. Like, I think would be really mm-hmm. good. Like, around this time, like, you're, you're getting them right before they blow up and they're too big. I think Judy Greer would be very lovely in this role. This was, like, once again made, like, 10 oh, years is, later. This is great Judy Greer energy. Again, someone who is very funny and has a little bit of off-center energy, but then can channel it into something earnest, I think is very interesting to me with this. Yeah. As for the actors who were considered, Mariska Hargitay turned it down. Wow. Not how I associate Mariska. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I can see it. Sure. Uh, Winona Ryder turned it down. Oh, interesting. Wow. Because, I mean, she's supposed to be quite young. So thinking of like 96 Winona is like age-wise appropriate, but I still think of her as being so young at that point. I mean, I guess. Yeah, 96 was the crucible as far as what she was doing. Well, still playing a teenager, mm. you know. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, Helen Hunt was considered. Oh, Helen Hunt. Yes. Yes. Yeah, which I like. I like. This is the same year as Twister as far as what Helen Hunt was doing. Wow. Well, it would have been a real shame to miss out on Twister. <laughs> well, I th- Twister is the, the, mo- the first movie I remember turning off. <laughs> <laughs> That I was like halfway through watching it on VHS and I was like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I don't care about what happens in this movie. And I'm you, sure there are movies like, before that I like turned off or like, oh, I need to leave to go do chores or do but something else. But that's different than like, no, yeah. I don't I'm not need going to back. finish I'm this. turning it off and it's not getting turned back on again. And I've never gone back. And you might be saying Twister's fun or Twister's a lot of, is, is much better than you remember. And to that, I say, I do not have the time to go back to Twister. I know you got, you got baby Philip Seymour Hoffman in Twister. You got some fun. You got Carrie Elwes in Twister. Carrie Elwes in Twister, but I'm not going back to Twister. No. Tori Amos was considered for Tori Amos? Tori Amos. Yes. I did. Oh, I, well, she, considering she hasn't really acted since, um, I don't know that Or it before, was, from what I could see on well, IMDb. Well, yes, I but I do understand have... you being like, well, you know, you're 
this sure. huge singer. Let's see if maybe do you want to act? But since she hasn't really gotten into it. Um, and Celine Dion as Miss Honey. <laughs> okay, well, now These we're having a different conversation. Special <laughs> powers are so cuckoo crazy. So cuckoo crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's talking to Matilda. She's like, girlfriend, you've got powers. <laughs> okay, girlfriend. Um, then we, we have a soundtrack worth talking about. With, with oh, that. Sure. I, I do love this score. Like, the way they have the, like... In that whole sequence where they're like, we're, you know, in Miss Honey's old house. And I'm like, mm. look at it. And then Trunchbull is like coming in, like her car is busted. And just like the orchestrations underneath are like, ooh. But if Celine Dion is in this uh, film, we're having a Celine Dion soundtrack experience. We simply must. Um, anyway, back to Tori Amos. I've never seen her act. I don't know how that would go. Um, I don't think anyone has, so who can know? Um, But who we have seen act is our final person who was up for Miss Honey, turned it down due to conflicts with Harriet the Spy, was Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, well, that's fun. I do like Rosie for this. I agree. And I kind of like the idea of you're seeing Rosie as someone who is like, I'm still not over the power that my aunt still has over me. Uh, is is kind of great to see someone like Rosie like be like, oh, you are still now being reverted back to like yeah. a scared kid. Whereas Miss Honey, just because she's, she's so, so uh, sweet, I believe that she could be snapped like a twig. Yeah. That whereas Rosie, we've seen in League of Their yeah. Own, you know, bossing around folks. So finally, let's move on to Trunchbull. Amy, Joe, your thoughts on Pam Ferris and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Look, we've been talking about Pam Ferris. We've been talking about how great she is, but we need to talk about it some more, Jeff, (laughs) because she is so good. This is when you talk about a vanity free performance, like at times they've given her like a mustache. She's so like she's she's constantly sweating. You can smell her through the screen. She is like dank sweat. And like I've seen Pam Ferris and like I just said at the top of this app, many other things. And she's like a lovely put together woman. She's an actor. She knows how to like put herself together. But just the like complete lack of vanity, you know, is she's clearly having such fun with that. Like it's not just like, oh, this is what hair and makeup have done to her. It's like the way she's carrying herself. This like almost feral look in her eyes at times. I just, I I wanted to stand up and applaud at various points <laughs> during this rewatch of it. Because it's, again, like, as someone who at this point in their life has played a lot of villains, and then, you know, I've watched a lot of villain performances, it's just like, this is how you do it. To me, like, this is so elevated. It's so funny. It's actually scary at times. And it's... It's just such a fully realized human being as well. Like Yeah. So the scenery I, chewing never feels like it's just an actor taking up funny. space to take no. up space or to be trying to be funny. This is like someone who is really keyed in very in this role, in this performance, that they are doing really above and beyond what I think a lot of other people might have done in a role like this. And I think that's partially because Pam Ferris was like a known actor, but not a star, you know? So like you're getting someone who's like, this is a big opportunity for me. This is a big job for me, but also like what an exciting time to get to do all of the things that she's good at, but like hasn't necessarily been giving like a major platform to do so. And then to come in and just, knock it out of the park when when i was working on kinky boots there was this one um this one actress who had like two small features one of which ended up being cut not because of her but because we need the just the act needed to move along faster but you know she had like three lines uh, in each of these and she would get laughs on every single one and and some like younger actor was like wow adina alexander is the name of this actress who's fabulous um and it was like wow adina like how do you get laughs on like every single line, every single time we run it? She's like, well, darling, I'm used to playing the lead because she's been like playing leads in regional theaters for a million years. So then it's like, she's like, all right, I can come in and deliver. I have no problem. And I feel like that's what we're getting with Pam Ferris is someone who's like, I have been treading the boards 
for lo these many years. And I'm not going to take that for granted and just throw together some kind of villain performance. I'm sure just looking at like her IMDb, I'm sure this is probably like the biggest film at the time that she had been in. Or and certainly yeah. like the biggest role in the biggest film. But it could be easy, I think, for a lot of actors to be like, eh, it's this kid's movie. Yeah. And it's probably what she's best known for still for so many people. Absolutely. Yes. And and then I, I think also she, you know, probably read the book a lot. Like this just feels has depth yeah. to it. And it is so good. It's just so good. Um, I think I will at some point go back and just rewatch like her scenes because she's just also her rage is so like just beneath the surface it's just everything is so well crafted and yet I don't like see the craft I just see this like full performance so I love it I love it so much um as far as like other options I do think Emma Thompson is like the natural successor there are line readings Pam Ferris is given that are like that's an Emma Thompson line reading when of course at the time it would not have been an Emma Thompson line. You know what I mean? There's just certain things I'm like, Oh, I can, I can eerily hear Emma Thompson saying it exactly that way. So I'm very excited to see what she does. And my other choice, like for the time and honestly, probably more like an eighties choice is Elizabeth Spriggs, who is probably best known um, for the first few Harry Potter films of being the fat lady in the portrait, like the fat lady mm-hmm. portraits. Um, but she's also Mrs. Jennings in Sense and Sensibility, which is like where I first came to know her. So like the the large uh, Imelda Staunton's mom in that movie and the like over the top like aunt mm. figure. Um, just with regards to, I've, you know, she's done a million things on stage and on camera and everything. So I, I feel like she's going to, give a, a similar kind of like largesse but dialed in um in a way and then if we're making it uh today uh i i mean i know we are making it today but <laughs> if we're also making it today and it's not emma thompson then uh gwendolyn christie mm. seems to be like yeah. i want to see her play a former track and field star who is absolutely deranged that feels like it could be fun absolutely yeah i only got two people i'm sure there are others that i could if i really gave this some thought but pam ferris is just so good that i'm happy to let that let that lie i think um this could have been the role that finally won glenn close her oscar that's my thought that's my opinion <laughs> glenn glenn close that's the thing emma thompson in the trailer looks like Looks like Glenn Close as Albert Nobbs as as a uh, Trunchbull. I was just thinking about Glenn Close, how like tailored and glamorous Glenn Close usually is, and then I remembered Hillbilly Elegy is a thing that happened. So never forget Hill, never forget Mama in Hillbilly. You know what? Elegy. I mercifully haven't watched it, so I only have images. But you know, Glenn Close was in the Boo Box and Hook. Glenn Close will That's look true. Glenn look Close afraid. is down to clown. Yeah. And Glenn Close, I'm thinking of her in like one of your one Dalmatians. Like Glenn Close can do an over the top oh, fun sure. villain performance. I'm just thinking a lot of those performances are extremely glamorous, you know. Sure. Um, sure. Uh which this ain't given that. <laughs> no. But I think Glenn Close uh does not is not vain in the sense that she would not do a, a role like this um or made today i'll see your gwendolyn christie i'll raise you uh ted lasso's hannah waddingham is <laughs> it's just like what giant brit <laughs> do you want to nominate right <laughs> to right play back of the trunchbull also great particularly if you're doing a musical because she can sing because the woman sings uh pam ferris would apparently stay in character when the director called cut in an attempt to scare the children on set so that their fear of miss trunchbull would be genuine when the camera was rolling i mean that makes uh that makes sense and that feels like she also seems like the type of actor who's not going to be cruel in that way but who is right going to be like how do i make this easier on these because they're little kids these kids you know um oh wow (laughs) oh pam (laughs) now as for the actors who were considered you just mentioned her earlier but miriam margulies auditioned i okay she was on my larger list but i i mean she'd be very funny miriam margulies is a killer she's great tiny but But she is tiny yes they could they could figure that out they can make it work 
Yeah. Instead, in 1996, she had a previous episode, uh, Shakespeare's R&J as the nurse, mm-hmm. of course. And I didn't realize this came out the same year. The other big Roald Dahl film adaptation in 1996, she was playing Aunt Sponge in James and the Giant Peach. Yes, yes. Which I did see. It's been a many, many years. I think I've only seen it like once or twice, but um, she's yeah. always great. Oh, yeah. I've definitely seen James and the Giant Peach quite a few times but same around again, matilda and then not again times, for but... two decades um magna subansky was considered who's probably best known for kath and kim and as a uh, james cromwell's wife in babe in 95 she's like she's the like the oh, farmer the pig farmer wife, wife. the pig farmer in babe and babe to a pig in the city uh and kathy bates okay frankly that I makes mean, a lot of sense Misery's Kathy Bates as Trunchbull. I like. I think I think we're all seeing it. Yeah. Instead, in '86, she was playing Detective Shirley Vogel in the Diabolique remake with Sharon Stone and Chaz Palminteri. I forgot they remade Diabolique. Yeah, that was the time we couldn't get enough of these like modern day film noir horror thriller adaptation or like remakes because we had that we had psycho remake we had the perfect murder the remake of dial m for murder i haven't seen any of these remakes just watch diabolique just, wa- just put in the subtitles and suck it up watch dial m for murder yeah diabolique i only saw for the first time like a year or two ago with you amy joe and it is yeah. great it's a great spooky fun it's time excellent. it's uh, strong recommend diabolique so those are all the characters. I found other casting options for. There are a few characters I didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. Not a ton. We have Brian Levinson, who plays Matilda's older brother, Michael, who is his first film credit is Predator 2. He's also in an episode of Seinfeld. He played Kid in Airport in North, uh, or kind of the majority of his credits. But I, I, watching it, I really was, for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, is this that little kid at the beginning of Jurassic Park who thinks a velociraptor looks like a big turkey? And it is not. But I was getting no. that vibe from this brother. I was trying to figure out where else I knew Bruce Bogtrotter from. And then I looked him up and realized it's the wedding singer. Oh, yes. He's the, he's the kid at the bar mitzvah who's, who's like, no one wants to dance with me. That Adam Sandler has that like interaction with. It's like, oh, right, right, right. Apparently... I don't know when, but sometime after Wedding Singer, that kid who played Bruce, like, saw Adam Sandler, like, Adam Sandler was being interviewed or whatever, and, like, was saying that how he remembers everyone who he works with. And they were like, oh, do you remember this kid? Like, and his Bruce Bogtrotter. And I, I don't, they, whatever they had to say, whether or not it was his name or whether or not they said the movie, Adam Sandler was just like, oh, yeah, you have the kid who grabbed Drew's tush. That that's, like, he, rec- that's how he recognized him by. <laughs> And uh, we've got Paul Rubens and Tracy Walter as Bob and Bill, these two FBI agent slash speedboat salesmen who are quite entertaining. I did enjoy them. I think a lot. they're very funny. I also think the movie does a really nice job of not giving us too much of these guys because, like, Agreed. I think it's just the right amount. But, like, if they did too much more just to, like, get more Paul Rubens in the movie, it'd be like, I don't need more of these no. these guys. Um, and I feel like there are some 90s films in particular that would really goose this part too much, you know. Or but even I think like the same amount funny. of screen time. But you would be see- like at one point, all Matilda does is like she lifts the parking brake on their car with her mind and their car's rolling down a hill and they have to run after it. Like I could see the version where it's like full home alone. She's gotten like paint yeah. cans spilling out on the FBI agents guys heads. You know, they're getting pies in their faces too. And you don't need it. The old cream pie to the face. The Instead, classic. the dad gets that, which feels right. It does. It does. Uh, so final thoughts, Amy Joe. anything we haven't touched on? Any other characters that popped out at you? Oh, Yes. I need to draw your attention to a very important fact. Um, watching the um, credits, I learned the names of the newts who played the newt. <laughs> I'm going to read Please them to on. you now. There were three newts that, uh, three newt actors that played this newt in the film. And their names are Mr. Speaker, Sir Isaac, oh. and Wayne. Sir Isaac Newt. Tin. Yes, exactly. Great. Wayne yes, yes. Wayne the Newt. I love that. And Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. Um, and I just thought we needed to show some respect to these newts. 
Amy Jo. Yes, Jeff. What are you recommending this week? Can you believe it's another podcast? I know the listeners, they're shocked. Um, so I'm going to recommend this podcast called Inside the Writer's Studio. Basically, there's a host who just every week will have a new guest on that's usually a novelist um, or a novelist screenwriter, that sort of thing. And they'll just talk about writing. And I subscribed to it truly years ago and only started listening to it recently. And I, it's really interesting. I mean, also, like, I'm listening, trying to steal tidbits of advice as a writer. But, um, you know, there's lots of great guests. Uh, I listened first to the Sandra Brown episode. Um, she's a 73-time New York Times best-selling author. What? Um, yeah, I know. It's wild. Um, but, I mean, I, I listened to that episode because I, I grew up with her niece. Like, her niece is one of my best friends. And so, oh. like, I was like, oh, my God, Sandra, um, who... She owned Audrey Hepburn's Breakfast at Tiffany's Tiara for many, many years. Like, so I never got to see it, but my friend Maggie had, and Maggie was obsessed with Audrey Hepburn. And I was like, well, you got the right aunt then, you know? Um, <laughs> but so I, I, I really liked that episode. She talked a lot about like writing and crafting like thrillers specifically um, in a way that I was like, oh, this is really helpful to think about plotting for everything in general. And then um, there's just lots of interesting episodes, a lot of diversity of guests and of, of style and genre and all that. So um, it's interesting regardless, but particularly if you're at all interested in um, that sort of thing, I recommend Inside the Writer's Studio. Nice. Jeff. Amy Joe. What are you recommending? I'm going to recommend this new documentary that I just saw called My Old School, uh, that it really the less you know about it going in. But the basic little log line is in 1993, this 16 year old Brandon Lee enrolled in this well-to-do private academy in Scotland. Uh, and he might not be who he says he is. There might be something else going on. It's, it doesn't, it's not like a true crime story per se, but it's just a wild yarn as you're getting all of these fellow classmates now, you know, two decades on, three decades on, um, three, almost three decades on, uh, talking about this like year to year period of having this kid in their class. And it, it's both very funny. And then also like, I, I gasped several times as we as the Ooh. film starts taking like twists and turns. Um, but it's but it's a very light twists and turns for the most part. It's very very fun. Uh, and the fun conceit of the film is that this person, Brandon Lee, agreed to be interviewed but did not want to be seen. So you only hear you're seeing everyone else. You're only hearing their voice. But instead of whatever of animation or just like a blurring them out, you're getting actor Alan Cumming to play them and to lip sync all of their actual narration and all of their actual in part of their interview, uh, which is like a magic trick. Cause Alan Cumming is so good at like voicing, like the little oohs and ums and ahs and like the, the body language is so cool that you forget that you're like, Oh, it's not, this isn't, I'm not, I'm hearing someone completely different from the guy that I'm looking at right now. Uh, so yeah, so my old school, it's a good fun time. I really enjoyed it. I watched it on Hulu uh, is currently where it's streaming. And that's what we're recommending this week. Da -da -da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Follow us over on Instagram at andalmoststarring for content, shenanigans, and announcing what film we're doing the following week. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.